there we were, a ramshackle company facing down an army trained and drilled. And it's not like we didn't know the sheer desperation of our cause, but we hoped to play our vulnerability as a ruse. We knew at some point we'd face their wrath, and so why not then, while the great houses were still leaking blood from the wounds that caused each other? There were no to be gained by waiting. And we'd done our best to ready ourselves. Those with training, veterans from the skirmishes in the glass, the old guard left over from those failed revolutions past, mutineers from ill-fed garrisons would turn to our cause. They did their best to spread what simple skill and tactic they knew as broad as possible. They were our realists scant time to organise us. While we lacked weapon and skill, if we had one advantage, it was that we were facing them on our own turf. Most of the fighting would take place amongst the gambling dens and race courses of Interward. If they were anywhere suited to turn the odds, it were there. No, we were no soldiers, it's not like we didn't have our own tricks. Decades of radical action, a fleeting triumph mixed with the facing, the brutal crackdowns that counted it, had owned our tactics. We weren't foolish enough to line up in some battalion's formation. Instead, we hid ourselves amongst the balustrades and the bones. We readied bombs in the checkpoints. We tore up the streets, turned flagstone and furniture, factory machines and practically all else we could get our hands on into barricades. Our fortifications were built from common material. And our aim would not be to hold them back. Not entirely. Instead, we'd lead them in. Welcome them into our streets. And then cut them off with barricade and our own bodies if we had to. We knew the ground we stood on and would make them pay for every step that they took. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Beck Mihalik. Hi, I'm Beck, and you can find me on Twitter at r underscore mihalik. Ryan Evans. Hey, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at brainxray. Steve Martin. Hello, I'm Steve, and I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me on Twitter at Thryn. And Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Ziz, and you can find me on Twitter at Games. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can find me on Twitter at @tdixon, and you can find the show on Twitter at Whimsy Rituals. Today, we are continuing our game of Blades in the Dark by John Harper. And as always, all of the music from this episode is from Satin by Kai Engel. So, let's just jump straight into it. Ash, the last time we saw you, you were stood in the yield which is, like, part of the Jackal's headquarters, and it's like a big, strange greenhouse, which kind of functions as the predictive engine of the Jackal's. All manner of trees and flora grow here. 
each one completely unique and individual. There's only one of each type. And each one of those corresponds to a remnant in the world. And I think where we last saw you, you were stood facing outwards from this like vibrant weirdness back over across Embrace towards Tail's End where you can see the fighting happening. And I think as you're stood watching, Khan Nimdeka towering over you stood to one side and your aunt Galena stood a couple of steps behind you both. You sense that another person has joined. You hear some footsteps approaching down one of the rough cobbled sort of paths that weave their way through this jungle of different plants. And you hear them approach and then stop a few paces behind. And I think, do you turn to face them or do you keep your eyes on Tail's End? I think Ash just sort of looks over his shoulder briefly to see who it is. Uh, yeah. And then turns back. You see that there is a a figure, like humanoid figure, who seems to be covered like head to toe in clothing. They're wearing long robes. They have gloves on that are kind of dark leather. And they are wearing what appears to be like a hood and a mask and like a long piece of fabric goes down from their face, down their body. And each inch of fabric is covered in a strange collection of different symbols and marks. And I think as they approach, they bow to Karnim Dekka and say, they have arrived, sir. Should I bring them in? And Karnim Dekka nods. Khan turns to you and is like, come. Is this going to take long? I really need to get back out there. That depends on you. <sighs> Fine. I think Khan leads you through the yield. And I think as he walks, he is touching pieces of leaves, pieces of like tree trunk, both like idly brushing his hands across plants, and he's like turning to inspect some bits. Do you know where we are yet? Well, I mean, it's obviously the jackal's place, right? Um, I knew they had something here. I mean, is this like a farm or something? Is this where you grow your food? Khan smiles giving you a flash of the teeth beneath. And he says, Look at this plant. What do you see? It's... it's just a plant. What, what do I see? Just a plant, I think. I, but I think he, he turns to you and goes, Describe it. What are its details? Memorise it. Uh... It's got, like, sort of viney bits, and the leaves have three points, and the edges of the leaves are darker than the middle. Um, it's small. Can you see this plant anywhere else? I mean, there's a lot of plants here. No, I don't think. There's the if we had more time, I would tell you to go and see if you could find anything that matched it, and you would not. Do you know why? No. No, I, I don't... I've got no idea what's 
what this is all about. Come just, just Galena behind you, like eyes rolling. <laughs> <laughs> this is the yield. Each of these plants corresponds to one of the remnants. Do you understand now? I think so. And I think it's probably this weird taking in moment of... I imagine this greenhouse is deeply weird in a lot of ways, because it's not just... If we went to a greenhouse, a lot of the plants have, like, uniformity, right? Like, most plants would be green, there's, like, lots of repetition in, like, this is a patch of this kind of tree, or this kind of shrub, or something like that. Was here, it's so varied... You know, here's a tree that's like a lily pad. Here is like a small shrub that is blue. Here is what looks to be some eruption of a lichen or something like that. So it's like very, very jumbled in a way that you wouldn't get in our world. And it's just this weird mishmash of different plants and different plants that probably don't even exist for us. So this is, this is how you know. You use plants. This is how you hunt them. Do you use these to to find them? In a way. There is more to it than that. I think Ash sort of pauses for a moment and stands up and looks around the whole place and takes in the size of it and just kind of looks up at Khan like, there's so many. And this is not them all. They could do so much damage. That is not how this works. These are just the ones we are watching. We are tenders. Though some might call us jackals, that is not our purpose. We watch. We tend. We care for the remnants. And when they go wrong, we do what we must do. We do not do so out of hatred or malice or out of careless destruction. We do it to protect the world and its people. If I never had to take another remnant, I wouldn't. So they're not all bad? I think Khan starts showing you leaves and... There's almost, like, a nerdiness to him, I imagine, as as he's, like, walking through and, like, showing bits of plants. And it's like, most are good. Nearly all are good. We just watch for signs. And it's, like, showing plants that are perfectly healthy and, you know, he doesn't think much to them. He's like, yeah, this is healthy. But, like, in a few times where he shows you, like, he shows you a leaf that is starting to brown or, like, a series of roots that are growing a little bit too far and he's like we watch for signs like this this isn't enough not yet but if these roots continue to grow if they begin to strangle the life and the plants around it then we know we must do something and then i think he leads you down like a small offshoot so it feels like it's at the centre of all of this. It's, it's at the centre of the yield, and I think there's only like a small path towards it. And I think 
he stands at the entrance to that path and like he nods for you to go down it um ash's eyes sort of darting around the place looking for other exits and trying to figure out ways out of this slowly kind of turns and heads down hesitantly i think as you reach the end of the path and i think there's lots of trees and life kind of like shadowing down around you but when you reach the end of the path it kind of circles and there's like a circle of path and in the center of that is a bare piece of earth and this is strange because everywhere else you've been in this place there's been plants growing everywhere here is just a patch of earth and in the middle of that patch you can see that there is one small sapling growing. It's only small for now. And I think the plant itself is green, but what you can see is green, but it seems to be almost like frosted and laced with white in the same way that the Winter's Lodge is like veined and frosted in white. And I think as you look at that plant, you can see that below it, in the same way that you can see for the plant in the Winter's Lodge, you can see this great proliferation of roots spreading out. And they seem to spread out beyond and through the path that surrounds it. That's um, that's the goal, isn't it? Cardinal Dacre nods. That is one name for it. But there's nothing around it to... Hem it in, right? The other plants, you said, if they spread too far, that's when it's a problem. But this one doesn't have anything around it. It has space. So it's not a problem? Do you see the roots? Yeah, which is weird, because, like, they're underground, and it's kind of... I mean, I... Yeah, 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 I can. If this thing grew purely in... The space here, perhaps it would not be a problem. But what this thing is and what it represents, you see how those roots reach out beyond the space allotted to it. I don't know what the Winter's Lodge and the Gaul, as you call it, bring, but I fear. I fear for it. You fear for it or you fear it? Both. Are the plants ever wrong? The plants are the remnants. They are not a representation of they are. Do you understand? Okay, then. Have you ever been wrong? I do not have time to ask myself such questions. I have spent centuries asking myself questions like that, and it never led to good. My mum always said never to trust somebody who doesn't think they can be wrong. I wonder what, like, Galena's reaction is to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think Ash might actually shoot Galena a glance with that comment. <laughs> I think Galena looks back at you and goes, Ash, do as you're told. Stop asking questions. Oh, well, that's 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 made things a whole lot worse. <laughs> and, like, Khan probably, like, looks at Galena as if, like, 
know it's right to ask questions. Like, Khan wants you asking questions, right? This... Why... Why are you telling me all this? Follow. And Khan kind of starts heading off down a different piece of the yield. Do you follow him? With a sigh. Sort <laughs> of... Yeah. I imagine that there's a point where, like, Elena pulls alongside you and that is like, Ash, you've got to be careful. What, what do you even care? I know that you've never been afraid of the Nimshifts, but you should be afraid of Khan. If you don't do what he says, he has little use for people who deny him. And he won't just stop at you. And I think that's seen. So, Ivar fetch Grimmar. We probably see you moving through the streets of Hinterward. There's definitely like the sounds of the fighting behind you. It sounds like some of the Nimshif soldiers and mercenaries have moved towards the barricades, and there's definitely people running back and forward around you. Um, so, so did you say you're heading back to Tales End? Is that your aim? Yes, to get this equipment back to Tales End and mm. to check that. Everyone's okay, and maybe mobilizing everyone better so that we can defend. Yeah, I was going to say, so there's a couple of options here. So, like, there's Tales End itself. Um, I imagine the big stadium, which you're so, sort of next to on the map, is probably the current sort of organizational hub, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine whoever is organizing, like, this first stage of defenses is all in there. It just depends where you want to be. I guess the question here is... You've got this item that you stole off the Pale Lanterns. Do you want to be using it straight away, or is it something you want to save for, like, a last wave of defense? How protected do you want it to be? Well, I mean, as far as Ivar's concerned, he doesn't really know how it works or mm. know what effect it will have. So I'm wondering if he's holding on to it as a last-ditch thing rather than risking it. So it's maybe getting to Tail's End and trying to buy time to work out? How to how to use it? Yeah, that makes sense. Let's figure this out and then be back. Maybe with even bringing reinforcements from Tails End if this is where the fighting is going to be. Okay, I think you're running back through the streets of Hinterward when there's this second line of barricades that I think you have to pass through, and this is like the original barricades that formed here. So like these are like the Lovin Street barricades that the Vials and the Likelihood Lads and a bunch of other people put up. And this is kind of this is still manned. There are still people here, but this is like the fallback line before you go down like the long desolate stretch that leads to Tails End. Is it a similar sort of whistle for you to get in? I was going to say it's probably exactly the same, right? Whistle and Topaz flies up in the air. I think when you whistle, you see two figures appear on the barricades. Ah, oh, it's not going to know who's going to be. Yeah, you know who it is. I mean, it's probably, it's probably like a bunch of figures, but like two stand at the front. And I think um, you can see in front of you uh, the likelihood lads. You can see Branch and Fleece. And I think Branch is dressed wearing what looks to be a kind of like cowboy get up hell yeah wearing like a hat that sort of matches yours but is obviously much fancier and like similar sort of like clothes maybe like similar to the ones you wore for that score and i think fleece is 
Which member of the Jubilant maybe is Flea stressed as? Oh my they god, They all what? dress like us. What? I was, I was gonna say Oaken, but... Or Ezra? Oh. Because, like, who would they see as the two leaders of the Jubilant maybe? It'd be, like, Ivar and Ezra, right? Oh no. Ah, <laughs> uh, the great working class pursuit. Mm. Have they got a flat cap on? I can see that. <laughs> I think they're wearing, like, a much more, like, ornamental version of the fish scales. If Ezra's work gear were made from rhinestones. Yes, yes. Okay, suddenly I'm back on board. Um, and it, I, I think Branch puts a hand on their hip and is like, I don't know whether Branch would mimic your accent or just like your mannerisms, but like, maybe just looks at you and is like, what's this then? You know bloody well right what this is. Come on, I gotta get back to Taylor's end. Hmm. Was his whistle good enough, do you reckon? Fleece, it sounded a bit off to me. And, like, Fleece does a does a nod. Sounds a bit off. Not sure whether that is a, a maybe whistle. I think a maybe whistle sounds like this, and just, like, does a whistle of, of their own. I've got to whistle the right fucking year, and he pulls his coat <laughs> back and shows his gun on his hip. I think Fleece starts going, like, whoa, 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 and then Brench, like, sweeps back their jacket. Please tell me there's just a fucking banana in a holster or something. Yeah, like what they'd have instead of a gun. It's just like a oh. stick or something. like a bit of bone. They've got a bone in a holster, like a branch from one of these bone trees. And like there's like a tip of like their cowboy hat and like nods at you. I always knew it'd come to this. And like hops down off the wall to like to stand in front of you. Imagine if I've uh, just shot them. <laughs> Love these lads. <laughs> They're so good. And like it's like stands for a moment like in front of you doing the, the cowboy hands twitch and then just like laughs and like walks towards you and, and goes to give you a, a hug. I walk through branch. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Does branch have a topaz? Oh, oh, is my one God. Of the likelihood oh, lads dressed as a toaster? No, no. Branch has like a bird on their shoulder and it's like got like a crest and it's like very loud, like Branch and like brightly coloured. Please tell me it's just giving a dog it is. <laughs> <laughs> a little dog nose or something like taped on. Um, I, I think as you walk through, like Branch turns around and goes, Fleece, open her up. And then, like, Branch, like, runs to, like, walk alongside you, no matter how fast you're, like... I imagine Ivar's, like, striding, and Branch is, like, struggling to keep up. So what do you think, then, Ivar? About what? Do we look like a proper maybe to you? Well, if I ever have to get the, the, the swifts off me, I'll be uh, sending them you away. I'll you, and, like, points to Fleece. At the idea, says, if we're going to be trained by Rian and, and be a maybe, then we should then we should dress like one. And, you know, you can see, like, a bunch of the Likelihood lads stood around and imagine that there's one of, like, every one of the Jubilant, maybe. There's someone dressed like Ash, there's someone dressed like Oaken, someone dressed like Oxbow. Your Ash could do with a bit of work. He looks a bit old. Well, Ash is a hard one. Anyway, Fleece thought of the idea, I thought of the name. We are now, and you can see all around you, the Fetching Maybe. Fuck. That's good, though. Did they name themselves <laughs> after Ivar? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Incredible. I so love it. I thought you'd like the name. Rian taught us, so, I, you know, we've, we thought it'd be pay our respects to, to our favourite siblings that, you know, aren't us. 
the resemblance is really uncanny. French walks back over to Fleece, like, told you he'd like it. And, like, they're, they're doing, like, a chummy, like, chat between themselves. When uh, when this is all over, Branch, uh, if you ever want to have a showdown at high noon, uh, let me know, all right? Branch, like, snaps to, like, a more cowboy posture and, like, does a little nod. And they, like, narrow their eyes to look at you. Right you are then, lad. Any time. As long as it's 12 noon, right? Yeah, you've got to be up early enough for that one. French like does a little thing and it's like just let me know. Do you just keep going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heading on. They let me through now. What even are rivals anyway? What even are rivals other than people who just like <laughs> dress as you? Do any of us have actual rivals? So Ash. You used to have Falcon. True. Get dealt with my rival very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so Durgen seems to be more capable than Nia, so that seems to still exist but uh, speaking of nia should we go over to sam why not let's see what's going on so the last time we saw sam say we're flying towards one of these nimshif warships right yeah with some kind of plan of like so i just want to do something big and obvious because things aren't really going the way say want and just needs something Say can control. And of course, the mm. warship is that. Yeah, yeah. The Nimshif warship is ahead of you. I think it's sort of long and thin and sleek, and it has these kind of backward-angled sails. It's all like polished wood and gold embellishments, and I think the sails are this kind of bleached white colour. And it is bristling with ballista and soldiers stood with crossbows and other soldiers stood with these spirit rifles and i think at the minute it was you were going for the one that was uh, unloading troops into the wire mm -hmm. so yeah i imagine it's like a little bit away from shore and there are people shouting and people get getting onto like smaller boats to sail off uh, towards the wire and you can see people who are like you know getting close and jumping into the water and running into into the tangle of the fleshwood what what is Nia doing here? How are they approaching this? I think their plan is to go in big and flashy. Wow, how different to you, Sean. I know. <laughs> uh, very surprising. Mm. The plan is to to use Nia's new move. Uh, that move is hypnotic. You can push yourself to do one of the following: paralyze someone, giving them a glimpse of possible futures. Or uh, tie their fate, naming a future action that they can't avoid. Mm. So maybe this doesn't work, but Nia basically wants to stop all these people on this ship and has been doing all of this warding that weaves in kind of like reading spirit or like attuning to someone's spirit. So Nia's kind of a place of trying to see how Say could use that in a more offensive way like mm. offensive way and, and and your first target is a whole ship a warship yeah yeah what does this look like is this um you describe them like flying through the air is this like also using your like a star move where you're like levitating and floating like a ghost and producing light and all of that yes 
That sounds perfect. Although I do have a question, Adam. Yep. What happens when I fill up all of my stress during these sessions? Because that's likely going to happen. Uh, yeah, when you like fill up your stress, you are removed from the current situation, which doesn't necessarily mean the entire score. It could just be like the scene or something like that. Okay, and then cool. you take a trauma to represent what happens. And then you clear all your stress, which can be kind of useful. But, you know. Good. That, that fits what I'm assuming is going to happen. Yeah. Although there is a question of what's happening with the boat with all the explosives. Don't worry about it. You're going to be totally fine, definitely for sure. Yeah, like at, at the minute, that, that that's in the future. That's a future problem. I mean, it's okay. a very imminent future problem, but you're fine. You're fine. Because I had one version in my head of Nia gearing up to do this big thing, glowing and flying above the, the ship, and then all of a sudden the ship explodes. And that whole, like, this is the moment that I can do something is just, like, <laughs> ripped away from Sam. I mean, we'll find out what happens uh, in the role, but I don't think that boat is here yet, is what okay. I'll say. Okay. Like, th this is Nia having left the people that you told to follow you probably f fairly far behind you. Yes. Just approaching a warship on own is how I'm imagining this. Yep. But yeah, no, no, I think I think Nia's looking... So it's somewhere between the Spirit Ward's move of creating a ward around this ship that like for that one i can do a large area and emotional yeah and this hypnotic giving people glimpses of possible futures yeah should we work should we work through the stress for that and see how it goes <laughs> sure cool so like a star first is you can push yourself to the one of following levitate or float through the air like a ghost or produce a light from nothing uh, so yeah, you, you push yourself to do that, which is two stress, right? Cool. Good. And then you can reshape spirit into web and ward with spirit wards. Take one stress plus one for each feature. So one stress to make it a large area. And then I think instead of like making it emotional, you can spend another stress to paralyze someone by giving them a glimpse of their possible futures. So that's another stress there. So it's four in total, if that makes sense. Yes, that gives me one stress left. Okay, cool. So let's say from the outset that this is desperate nothing. You have no effect on this ship. You're going to have to push yourself if you want to have more effect than that. And I guess you have by making this a large area, so that becomes desperate limited. Um, cool. And you've got one push yourself, which you can use to add an extra dice or to increase the effect level. I also have that standing devil's bargain. Mm, um, what was that? That was that Elif and thus everyone else knows that Nia's been talking to Eltara. If that's if that devil's bargain is still what you want to go with. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine by me. I think if you're already pushing yourself, I don't, can you push yourself and have a devil's bargain at the same time? I don't really care, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can use your pushing yourself to add plus one D to your role or add plus one effect level. Probably an effect level. And what would you like to roll? A tune. Cool. Yeah, and you've got a devil's bargain as well. Do you want to use that for effect level or or to add an extra dice? Yeah, let's, let's go for effect level. I don't normally do that. Let's see what that does. Yeah, like standard is you, you can probably get some of the ship. 
great is you can get most of the ship, if that makes sense. You're like risky great at the minute. Okay, so risky great with the two dice that I get from a tune. Yes, yeah. And four stress. And four stress, yeah. So yeah, let's just like recap what Nia is doing here before we do the roll. So Nia is floating across to this warship, glowing, right? I guess like Nia's, so yeah, so Nia's glowing and floating in this intricate clockwork, not actual clockwork, but kind of gears style um, armor and is really just hoping to attack everyone's emotions by showing them possible futures. Yeah, I think when we were talking about, like, this move is, like, paralyze someone by giving them a glimpse of their possible future. So it's just, like, they're just seeing stuff that could happen. Yeah, their future life is, uh, possible future lives are flashing before their eyes. Okay, uh, let's make your roll. That's a six. <sighs> so, uh, you do it to some degree. So let's, it's not going to be everything. Like, let's make a clock here. But, like, on a risky grade, I think you get to tick five segments of this clock. It's a warship, so it can be eight segments. But I think what this means for now is, as you said, most of the people on this ship just stop. I think there's this moment as you're floating towards them where there's a shout from one of the people on the ship and they point towards you. And there's this moment where, like, three or four people run up and take up, like, crossbows and aim them towards you, ready to fire. Do we see anything as you weave your spell? Is there any, like, visual effect here? I mean, Nia's normal weaving is kind of dance-like. Mm. So I guess it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen sky dancing. It's kind of like skydiving, but as you're falling, you are dancing. Yeah. I imagine Nia probably can't keep up both at the same time of the floating and the weaving. Yeah. Or whatever this might be. <laughs> so there's a few moments where Nia's sort of falling through the air. Not fast, but falling through the air as, say, weave this ward. And I think the crossbow armed mercenaries just freeze in place and i think you see the same thing happen across the ship does nia land on the ship yeah i think nia lands on the like the whatever is the highest point of the ship like the mast or yeah on the top of the mast okay yeah yeah and i think nia lands on the top of the ship and you can see the people below just seem to seem to have stopped I don't think this has necessarily affected the people who are, like, rowing boats into the wire. But, like, the ship itself has sort of stopped. And I think it's just, like, floating slowly onwards without anyone staring it. And I think as you stare across or, like, look across around you, you can see that there's another ship. It looks to be, like, a very low, broad cargo ship. And it seems to be heading towards, towards this ship. So Ezra. Yep. Where are you? Are you still on the ship or have you been have you like gotten off yourself? I think Ezra wants to be as close to the weir as possible before they go. Like they want to be as close to the barricades yeah. as possible. So I think they they maybe stay on a little bit after most people have disembarked. But yeah, as soon yeah. as it's it's becoming dangerous, it's 
give Aster Wist a hip flask and a smoke and a pat on the back and then <laughs> huff it off the boat. Okay. Yeah, and I imagine it's very similar for like a lot of people of just all of like the smaller boats have gone and it's just like people just diving into the water and swimming to shore. Oh god, yeah. I think all of the boats will have taken people off at like the bridge and stuff. Yeah. So maybe at this point oh, Ezra can't swim. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. You're probably like fairly close. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, yeah. Probably Nilcat jumping in with you and just like Helping you to swim to shore. He's got two arms for swimming and two for stopping Ezra from drowning. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, perfect. But yeah, like there's a bunch of you. I think it, there's this moment of like people dragging you onto like through the muddy like bank of the river onto the shore. There's probably like you walk past some rocks and you, you know, we get a shot where there's like a little frog in the foreground as everyone kind of like staggers to the ground and like checks they're still holding what they need to be. And you're kind of I'm trying to imagine where you'd be. You're maybe at, like, this little bit of the barricades here. Yeah, that's about where I was imagining, sort of, the barricade just before where the weir begins. Yeah. Do you look back to see what's happening with the boat? Yeah, absolutely. This this has to have worked, because we can't leave if this doesn't work, because we're going to have to come up with another solution. Yeah, okay. It sounds like this is a roll. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's, like, a roll from, like, the tier of the Ginnels, uh, which is going to be, like, 3d6, if you want to make that roll, just just see how, <laughs> how well Asta does. Uh, Asta smashed it. That's a 10. Cool. Of course. Of course Asta does. Um, yeah, I think as you turn around, I think after you get on shore, you, like, you turn around and look out across, and you see this boat just plough into the warship. And, like, there's this moment where... It almost seems to take out the warship just by the sheer weight of its attack. And you see it, the warship kind of like tilt onto where the boat has hit it. Mm-hmm. And then like a few moments later, there's just the first like ripple of an explosion. And you get that kind of effect where they kind of like follow on from each other. And you see the cargo boat, the Beneficent, you see the Beneficent go up and you see the Nimshif warship uh, the Sunspare in flight just erupt in flame. And you are at the barricades. Are you on the right side of the barricades or are you on like the Nimshift side? Where, where do you want to be? I think we're probably on the Nimshift side for just from where mm. we are on the map. We're close, but we're not quite where we need to be. So I think you're you're stood by the barricades and you can hear the sounds of fighting kind of all around you. I think everything is folded in and all of the fighting is furious and everywhere. There's the sounds of explosions behind you. There's the sounds of something happening in the wire. And you can hear like ahead of you, it, it sounds and it looks like the Nimshif soldiers have moved on the barricades. Mm-hmm. I think you can also see Crick. Is, is Crick with you? Is Crick still with you? Crick took Lena to Atrium but could have made it to the barricades by now, probably. Yeah. I imagine like... We maybe get Crick, like, land somewhere near you. He's seen the Sunspare go up, and he's kind of followed you, like, where you've gone to shore, and, like, I think Crick, like, lands somewhere near you. And he's like, Ezra, you all right? Ezra, looking like a muddy, drowned rat, just coughs <laughs> up some river water, and he's like, yep, yeah, fine. Yep. Right, uh, I drop Lena off. She, she's with some of the atrium lot there. 
Looks like they've got a scrap on their ends, that Ender City as well, and had a bit of a look. Doesn't look good at the outer barricades. I'll tell you that. It's a bit bit messy. Other thing is, the rest of the revolution, do you, do you know the ones that went up the hill? Why? They seem to be fighting against the Swifts and the Syndics coming back down. They're trying to make their way back, but it's a bit of a press up there. <sighs> also, gonna have to love you and leave you. I think I saw Nia head towards that ship. And I think, like, Crick does, like, a running takeoff <laughs> as, as they, like, head towards where they last saw Nia. Ezra just looks dazed for a second, then shakes their head, like, don't have time for that, whatever that is, okay. Yeah, um, and yeah, you're, you're kind of left by the barricades with this, probably like a small clutch of revolutionaries alongside you, including Nilcap. And yeah, where do you want to go? Do you want to head into, into the wire? Do you want to head towards the barricades? Do you want to head towards where Oaken is leading people down or, or somewhere else? I think... We want to try and go through the wire and back to Tail's End if we can. Or at least Ezra does. Because I think they want to find Ivar, because we have some stuff for should this day come that might need Ezra's input. That's fair. Um, do you have a plan for that? Nope. <laughs> there is going through the wire, but that's very much like a fight at the minute. Mm-hmm. You are also, like, someone who knows this city probably better than most people, and there yeah. are probably different ways to get there. Like, it occurs to me looking at this map, getting across to Winter's Lodge would get you to Tails End quicker than going through everything, but it'd just be, how do you get there? Does the Winter's Lodge connect Tails End to the land? Yeah. I imagine it... What's the castle in France? St. Michael's or something like that. Saint oh, Mont Saint-Michel. Yeah, Monster Michelle. I imagine it's a bit like that. Okay. Where there is like this thin spit of sand that runs to the Winter's Lodge from Tail's End. So it's slightly connected. There's probably like even a little bridge that helps you get to that bit. It doesn't connect to the wire, but like that's a thin place to cross, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Then I think like the strip of land around the edge of the wire that borders the river probably does have some like houses and stuff on that Ezra might know their way through. And maybe it's just kind of gunning it through there, across Winter's Lodge and straight into Tail's End. Yeah, like doing a little swim back out. Yep, not not thrilled about that, but... Yeah. Okay. In that case, would you like to make a roll to see whether you can get across there okay? Yes. Um, Prowl is to swim. <laughs> I mean, if you want to add anything to this, you can. No, I do think this is... This is trying to just get there very fast without running into anyone, so yeah. Prowl does make sense. I am absolutely terrible at it, but I would like to have an extra dice because I'm not the only one. I'm hoping that the people coming with me will help. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the way you could do it is you could do it as like a group action. Yeah. So like you are rolling at zero and then they are rolling at their dice. What do you think? If, if we're just saying it's Nilcat, who is pretty much an expert, right? We'll get three dice, because it's your crew tier plus one. Yeah, because I think we both know this area pretty well, and we've worked together enough that there's there's a pretty good non-verbal communication between the pair of us, and it's kind of just running within eyesight of each other, so we've got a wider field of vision, and we know what's coming up, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, so I think as standard, this is risky, risky standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will note that you've got exhausted stroke reckless on yep. your character sheet, so I think that becomes risky risky limited. 
Unless you want to push yourself or take a devil's bargain. Uh, I would love a devil's bargain. Mm. Um, I mean, the devil's bargain here is that the name shifts also know that this is their best route of attack. And their plan is not to, like, push down all of Hinterward and Tail's End, but to take the wire and then cut across to Winter's Lodge. Ooh, I don't want them to know that. Maybe I'll push myself instead. <laughs> That's a two! I That's got a two, two, and then you go 3d6 from... From Nilcat, who gets you a six, so you you do it, uh, but you will take a stress from your failure. Yep, cool. cool. That's cool. That's fine. I'm glad we're back to proper thrin rolls now. Yeah, I know it got a bit disconcerting there it, it, for a it, while. It was weird for a minute there. To, to be fair, if that wasn't zero dice, would have been a success. You would have got a six. You make it though. You manage to cut through all of these houses. Are you arriving in Winter's Lodge? Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. I think we described last time there's all these little bays and stuff that the Winter's Lodge forms as it needs it. So I imagine there's almost like a little cove that you swim your way into. Flounder my way into. <laughs> Maybe there's a little boat or something in, in amongst those houses. If it was Riverside houses, I, I can imagine people have got little rowboats. So no, I like the idea of Ezra just sort of floating and Nilka having to pull them <laughs> along. Just half the revolution just holding Ezra's this <laughs> one. But yeah, you managed to make it to the Winter's Lodge. So, Oaken. Hello. Last time we saw you, you were at the front of the revolution, having broken the swift lines, and I think having abandoned a bunch of the revolution's leaders behind you to the syndics. Is that right? Abandoned is a very strong word. Yeah. A accurate, though. Yeah. But... I mean, if anything... Abandoned is a very polite way of putting it, but you know. <laughs> so I think as it stands, I think we we had a clock, which is like three or four of getting past the swift. So I think where we described it is it's kind of turned into this kind of broken running battle. There's this bulk of like the protest march working their way back down the hill, you in front of them, and the swifts aren't a cohesive force anymore. They, they are there. They are like trying to hold you back. But largely the, the protest is winning and, and getting through and getting back. What is Oaken doing? Is Oaken heading straight back to Tails End or is Oaken helping to get as many people through as possible? What is his plan? I honestly think helping people to get through wouldn't really occur to him. Like, that's not a mm, very yeah. big flashy thing to do. That's just necessary work. He's not used to that. And it's that like, well, I've made the gap. Everyone could, everyone has the same capabilities of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, everyone will be fine now. Like, it's not malicious. It's just um, ignorant. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so I guess it's... So is Oaken running back to Tell's End? Yeah, yeah, I think he's heading straight back. Okay. I think as you're running down one of these main streets from Marrow Ward, like, across past the Jackal's compound towards Tail's End. You see a couple of Swifts stop in front of you. There are two of them. I think both of them are holding weapons, and they, they step out kind of confidently. And one of them goes, right, you got to stop where you are, right there. And then I think as they step out, and as they look at you, and after they say that, they, they realise who you are. 
and you see like their conviction just kind of falter, but they're, they're still in front of you and they're still holding weapons out. What do you do? Well, I really appreciate the look of fear on their face. That's good for the old ego of Oaken. <laughs> I think what I'm going to... Uh, so what I want to do is to kind of jump over them. Like, just not even bother with them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you'd activated like jackal before yeah. right so you can push yourself to do one of the following i guess you'd have to do it again but you you can do that if you want you can just spend the two stress and be done with it i'm so unstressed i'm a little bit traumatized but yeah i'll, I'll totally <laughs> spend two stress to do that again yeah um and yeah i, th I think it is a role but i think it's like controlled great to be honest um so what would you like to roll here I think Prowl again, you know, for the yeah. acrobatics. Is that a four? Yeah. Um, so on a four, it is you hesitate, withdraw and try a different approach, or else do it with a minor consequence. A minor complication occurs, you have reduced effect, you suffer lesser harm. You end up in a risky position. That's not great. Do you hesitate, or do you just do it anyway with a consequence? I don't think I hesitate. I think there is just a consequence. I think the one I'm drawn to is that you end up in a risky position. I think you very easily get away from these swifts. Like, what what do you do to get away from them? Is it just a big jump over them? Yeah, I think I'll just like a, you know, little wall run over them. And maybe like a <laughs> somersault over them. Just to show off? Or was that a necessary part? Just, just for flair. No, actually, you see, it really helps the aerodynamics and um, the the velocity of <laughs> just the flare. Cool. And I think you continue down this road. And I think it's as you run down this road a little bit further that ahead of you, the Jekyll headquarters that you know so well, you kind of like turn your way onto that road and there are the banners of the Nimshifts blocking the road ahead of you. And... They seem to be lined outside of the gates of the Jackal headquarters. The whole sort of, like, squad of them. And you sort of, like, know this fairly well. Like, you recognise this for what it is fairly well. Of Like, this is an honour guard. And, like, there's a whole honour guard of Jackal troops stood here. And I think in the centre of them, you can see, and you recognise, is Valor Nimshif. I think you met Valor when we did that very first score where you killed Fake Oaken, right? Yeah. And unless you do something, she is going to see you and she will know who you are. So, like, if you want to resist it, you can resist it. But hmm. if not, that's what the consequences can be. You're going to run straight into Valor Nimshif. I think it would be interesting to run straight <laughs> into them. Yeah. Okay. So I think you you run down the street run around this corner and you run into this squad of the Nimshif Honor Guard. And like I say, they're, they're stood outside the gate of the Jackal compound, seem to be waiting for some reason. I think as you do, you see Valor Nimshif turn round to face you. And the entire Honor Guard does that thing where like they swivel around too with like a m big step on the floor. And they're all facing you. And I think Valor takes a step forward. And as a reminder, she's a middle-aged woman with light brown skin and tied back dark hair. 
Although I think now she is probably wearing, I don't know if she'd wear a crown, but she's like wearing some kind of like jewelry around her neck that like symbolizes her status as like the steward of Embrace. I think as we look at her, we can see echoes of Oaken. Like you can see that they're related fairly obviously. And I think some of like her facial features probably echo Oaken quite well. And I think she is wearing what looks to be like a dark red armor that has like a kind of brocade pattern around it. There's like a ceramicness to the armor and it's kind of got like flowers and things kind of worked into it. And she is obviously like wearing a cape as well. And like her entire outfit is very, very ornate, but like there's also a practicality to it. And she steps forward and she looks at you. And I think one of the attendants next to her like, she reaches out an arm, and one of the attendants next to her, like, passes her a spear. I did not expect to run into you here. Uh, hello. Auntie? <laughs> You've got it the wrong way round. And if you should use any honorific for me, let it be liege or master. <laughs> okay, well, uh... I think I'll just leave that. <laughs> Don't think those honorifics particularly suit you. Put down your spear. Stop this foolishness at once. This is your last chance to join with your family and do what is right. <laughs> I've had enough of family for several lifetimes. We are at the precipice of victory in this city. We are at the precipice of what is ours and what is right. I will not let you ruin that. I don't think you'll have much choice in the matter. I'm going to throw my spear at her. <laughs> um, yeah, throw your spear at her. You know how it is with family. They just keep you on the phone talking all the time. <laughs> the nymphs, nymphs, a lot of talk, a lot of talk. Are, are you throwing the spear? Uh, yeah, you end up in a risky position, so I think this is risky. I think it's probably, like... I think it's risky limited. Like, I think we've not seen much of Valor, but I think Valor is definitely someone who can fight, and there's, there's an entire squad of people around her. Yeah. I, th I think the point of throwing it is not to, like, get her. It's to mm. throw them off. Because I still want to yeah. get to Tail's End. Okay. Are you spending your stress to make this, like, infused? No, I think I'm just going to do the usual, like, recall thing. So I'm not throwing yeah. it away. It's not, like, just... fully activated. It's just, like, it can do its base thing of, like, being thrown and recalling. Yeah. Rather than being like, this is super powerful now. Yeah. For once, I don't think this fight's going to be fun. I'm not super invested in this. <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah. So so what would you like to roll for this? I guess skirmish is still the thing. Yeah. What what are my positions in that? Risky standard? I think it's risky limited, unless you want to push yourself further. And there are reasons why that is, but like essentially Valor is pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Right. Uh a th oh, a three! Hey, back! Oh God! Hey, back! That's that, that's bad. The, uh, how could Oaken 
be bad. This doesn't make sense. So, so on a one to three, things go badly, you suffer harm and complication occurs, you end up in a desperate position, you lose this opportunity. Uh-oh. Um, so, so are you just like launching this spear at her? Yeah. Like the think fast. Super. Yeah, like we see it through like the length of the street as the spear goes forward. I think it probably like goes through one of the Nimshift guards. But like I think as it reaches Valor, she kind of spins with her spear. And you notice that her spear doesn't have like one solid head, but it's kind of like tridenty and curled. So it kind of like grips your sun spear and she just kind of like does a spin and catches your spear as it's in the air. Uh-oh. And I think she like touches your spear and it just drops to the floor. Oh god. Okay. You can resist that if you want, but yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, f- I feel like that's important. I mean, can she deactivate your spear or does she do something else? She can definitely, like, I like the idea of her catching it. Oh, maybe it's like I'm trying to recall it and he's holding on to it or something. Mm. What if Oaken's fucked with the sun spear so it's it's not how it used to be anymore. Mm. Like, you have a magic arm now. That's true. Could you could you not have tied the spear to your arm instead of whatever oh, it is yeah. that Valor can take control of? Yeah. So it's like a harpoon now. Oh, you mean literally tied, right? <laughs> oh, shit. Love that. Literally tie it, yeah. yeah. So like this golden honey thread on it coming out of the arm. Yeah, like, maybe you don't have to use that all the time, but you... Like, Oaken would know that maybe the Sunspare is very tied to the Nim shifts, or like the Nim Shaleafs. Mm. And like, you would have some expectancy that other people could maybe control it in the way that you do. Because we've seen that with fake Oaken, right? So, it, it, like, yeah. Oaken predicting that is very funny. It would not be Oaken, it would be Ezra telling Oaken. <laughs> And pointing it out. Have you put your spear on the leash? You're not leaving this house until you've leashed that spear. <laughs> yeah, um, if you want to do that, uh, you just make a resist- resistance roll. Cool. How do I do that? You roll uh, one of your resistances, so insight, prowess, resolve. Uh, I think it would be prowess. Yeah, which is consequences from physical strain or injury. Insight is deception or understanding. Resolve is... Mental strain or willpower. Insight or prowess makes sense. I've got more in prowess. You've got more in prowess. So I'm yeah. taking that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you roll and you take the highest dice away from six, and that's how much stress you take. So it automatically resists. Like, uh, there's like whipping yeah. it back with like this strand of honey works automatically, but yeah. It's just how much stress do you take here? A six. Nice. So yeah, it costs you no stress. You just kind of like, from Valor's side, Valor catches the spear and in like this spinning move and slams it to the floor and just like the faint glow that it always has just kind of like dulls a little bit. And she like looks at you and says, you know, this weapon is useless against me. How does Oaken respond? Okay, because I did a good roll, can I do a cool thing? Yeah, do it. Can I, like, kind of flick the rope to send some extra length down it and wrap around her hand so when I pull, he kind of comes with it? Yeah. I think it might be another role to do that extra effect, but definitely. Okay. I think that will be my response. (laughs) And it must already be, like, sort of twisted around her anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. 
so yeah, this is another role. I think it's you're kind of still in risky. I think this is risky standard at this point mm-hmm. because you I'm gonna like up that effect because you did so well in that last role and I think you've kind of caught her unaware. <laughs> yeah. Um can I take some stress for a bonus dice? Yeah. You could also like use that two stress to activate Astral Blade, which is like infuse your weapon with remnant energy at the same time if you like. Oh that is a good idea. Is it that we see it infused of like a different remnant's energy or like Mel's energy? I think it's Mel. Yeah. So we see, do we see like the Sunspare glow in a different way or look different? Yeah, I think maybe it kind of, rather than glowing with this very like harsh, bright light, it kind of glows with this diffuse orange kind of glow. Like I imagine we've seen with like the ghost honey. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, make your roll. And yeah, you get that extra dice. A six. Nice. Yeah, so you do it. I think... So you wanted to, like, pull her forward towards you? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think on standard, she's almost, like, jerked forward and she takes a couple of steps, or, like, a few steps forward and is pulled beyond, like, that first wall of her honor guard. And I think she she doesn't go down. She doesn't like fall mm. to a f- fall to the floor or anything. But she she's stood much closer to you. And I think she's pulled forward for a bit. She managed to regain her feet, and then like she lets go of the sun spare, and it flies back towards you. And she like she takes a stance with her spear, but she looks off guard. And like I think her honor guard react to like surround her again, but she like. She just says, like, stay back. Typical Nymphif arrogance. We would be nothing if not for our arrogance. And she, like, rushes you, I think, and, like, launches a couple of, like, strikes towards you. What do you do? Oh, fuck. That's that's a really good phrase as well. <laughs> for, like, making Oaken think about his life. <laughs> it's like, God, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's very sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I imagine like there's a load of like nimshift thing like law of just being like if we hadn't been arrogant we'd have never gotten out of gallants or become yeah. who we are but yeah okay I think I'm gonna try and fight her okay I think we're gonna fight in a way that's like we're gonna be testing each other because you know we've been pass down the same kind of styles and moves. Yeah. So we're both like seeing if each other knows the steps to the dance kind of thing. Yeah. And there's like an interesting thing here, I imagine, of you've been passed down the same styles and moves, but then some of those moves for Oaken were probably taught by the Jackals. But then for Valor, she has probably learned Oaken's moves. Like after Oaken yeah. <laughs> became famous, like I imagine the nimshifts that followed learn your fighting style. So she's like a copy of you in some ways. But yeah. Yeah, like I, I'm not sure I'm going to win it, but... Yeah. I think she like launches attack after attack at you. Kind of... She's being like vicious in the way that we see like Oaken being vicious, but it's like she's not fighting at her full capacity yet. Or she's like holding back so she can see what you do. What do you do? Um, I think I'm... 
doing the same kind of thing. Mm. You know, like this is very different from how Oaken usually fights. Showing off to this person is different to showing off, you know, to like the citizens or whatever. Yeah. It'll be in the subtleties here. No, that makes sense. It's, it's almost like, yeah, is this like a fight of a, as a conversation almost? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and we have this like opening exchange where you're both not really committing, but you're just seeing what's happening. Yeah, we're both just learning about the other. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you like to make a roll? I suppose. I think it's. I think it's another risky standard, unless you want yeah. to do anything to change that. But yeah. No, I do. I kind of want to see how this plays out. A four. Hmm. Okay. Um, so you do it, but there's a consequence. You suffer harm. A complication occurs. You have reduced effect. You end up in a desperate position. Like, there's that interesting thing there. Of, like, what does Oaken want to do here? What is Oaken's goal? Is it to, like, hurt her? Is it something else? Is it to, like, strike a blow? I think that's a good question. At the beginning, it's to strike a hard enough blow that he can leave. Okay, yeah. But I think as it goes on, there's there's more of a sense of being back in that headspace of so long ago makes him more callous as the yeah. fight goes on in what he wants as the outcome. And I imagine she's, like, even goading you, right? Like, there's that oh, yeah. degree of, like, you start kind of passively like you maybe try and get that early blow so you can just leave but like she blocks it and then she's like she realizes that you're in this kind of you're both in the same pattern she's like almost like echoes of your old fighting instructors of like you're not trying fight me yeah and i think by the end it's like i want to destroy you i want to destroy this part of my life mm. and I, th I think we see this fight, like, I don't think it's, like, a long, long fight. This is, like, that sort of, like, first fight that we see of, you know, two, two people coming together. I don't think this is, like, the final fight you'll have. We'll, mm. we'll find out, though. But I think, like, she is definitely just trying, we see her trying to goad you and, like, waste your time. Like, she is trying to, like, draw this out, I think. And I think it takes a little while before you get that opening. She swings slightly lazily. Only the slightest gap gets left. Does does Oaken have any other weapons other than the sun spare? Do you have like a um, knife or or is it the spear you're fighting with? I'm fighting with the spear. Mm. I'll probably have a knife. It just feels like a useful thing to have. Yeah. No, I think she she like leaves a gap and like you have this opportunity to strike at her. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I think we see the spear like pierce the side of her it's not a deep blow it's not a last blow it just kind of like scratches along like the side of her ribs and i think as that happens and this is like where the complication comes in she just disappears Ooh. <laughs> okay she turns to you smiles and like just disappears from your sight i think her spear maybe like clatters to the floor as she's gone and you realize maybe because of like your slash doesn't bring blood but brings like this cloudy drift of spirit that valanimshif is a ghost and then as soon as you strike her she she's gone wow and i think this is something 
like th this is maybe not something that Oaken realizes, but maybe it is depending on you know what Oaken knows of the Nimshilis and whether this was a thing then. But like we've seen this from like another Nimshif, Dirish uh, Nimshif in in Tiding, who was able to like split between like body and spirit, and like split those into two separate entities, and that's what Valor has been doing, and Valor has just reformed with her other half, Vigor. And that's why she's disappeared from here. And she has wasted your time for a bit, and that was what she was hoping for. Yeah, Oka got played. Yeah. Damn. And I think the Nimshif honor guard are like just taking up fighting position at the end of the street, swords and spears pointed at you. Does Oaken just go around them? Or does he go through them? I think he's gonna go around. I think he's a bit flustered <laughs> by this. Yeah, like I don't think it'd be a role if you went through them. I think it's cool to just let you do that if you want to. But like, I also do like the image of like Oaken taking another turn and just be like, I'm just gonna find another way through this. Yeah, yeah, I think he turns tail. Yeah. And speaking of the Rish Nim Shif, Ash, you are led through the yield this thick collection of trees in all kinds of like different shapes and forms. I think the thing that I forgot to mention before is like probably like half of these are spirit and half of these are actual like physical things. There are definitely trees where like if you put your hand on them, your hand would go straight through, right? But you're led through the space to somewhere near the center and there seems to be like a hollow amongst all these plants and I think the, the floor here is very deliberately tiled into, like, I think a labyrinthine kind of pattern. And you can see the person, or at least someone who is dressed like the person who came to, like, disturb you earlier. Uh, like, someone in, like, the long robes with, like, the robed mask is stood here alongside two other people. And the first of those people seems to be someone who, I think looks honestly a little bit like Oaken. Imagine if Oaken was like older and like not as toned athletically and he is stood there. He is um Virtue Nimshif, who is like the third in line after Valor and Vigor. Although Valor and Vigor we've now learned are one person. So like the second in life to the Nimshif estate. And I think even as he's dressed in all of his finery, there's a degree to which he always looks like he just wants to be comfortable, right? Like he he's not one for finery, despite what he's wearing now. He he's wearing like long robes with like the symbols of the Nimshifts on. He wishes he could be wearing sweatpants or like a a plaid shirt at all times. He wishes he could be like doing some crafts and eating some grapes. That that's very much like who I imagine Valor is. And then stood next to him, and I think virtue has his hand on on his head is this kind of slightly stocky kid with curly hair and i think quite tall and stocky probably a couple of years younger than ash it's uh derish nimshif who we saw in tiding cool as one of the jackals don't like where this is going and i think as khan nimdaker like walks in neither of them bow khan like walks to like the center of this circular space i think where do you stand um i think i kind of slow down and stay by the door or by the entrance i think galena's like go in stand before him fine 
okay. And sort of steps forward hesitantly again um, into the middle. Khan looks at the two other people stood before him and says, Virtue, Durish Nimshif, I welcome you into this place. I know why you are here and what you want. I greet you. Thank you for coming. And I think, you know, Virtue probably says something back in like a very formal way. How does Ash feel in realizing that he stood next to two Nimshifs? The, the the sort of darting eyes that he's had normally is are just now completely fixed on on these two. Um and the the sort of he's frozen. Mm. And his brain has just gone to how how could I how am I supposed to fight these people? How can I how can I get rid of them? How can I uh turn this to my advantage? Uh, yeah. Just staring at them. I think Darish notices you staring at him and is just staring straight back and goes, Who is he? And Khan says, Ash Pinder. Maybe like Darish says something like, Not even a Nim. Wow. Like Galina is just staring at you, like, Do not do anything. What? What? Are you going to tell me why I'm here? I have a choice. Valor, the house Nim Schiff have once again petitioned me to take in one of their own to become a jackal. But I know that with that, they wish my allegiance. Do they not? And like, he turns to to Virtue, who nods. Of, of, of course... Khan cuts him off and turns back to you. But I thought that it would be worthwhile to give both sides an opportunity. The fight between the Nim Shifts and the revolution threatens this entire city. And Virtue Nim Shift is starting to protest here, but like Khan just talks over him. So I give you an opportunity, Ash Pinder. Eat from the flesh of Rodella and join the tenders of the dawn's embers. And if I don't, you'll join the Nimshifts. You'll be their puppets. We are nobody's puppets. I think he gets very, like, angry at that. Yeah, but that's what they want, isn't it? The city needs stability. You cannot grow a plant if the soil is salt. And you think them being in charge is stability and happiness and there's, there's, there's not going to be another revolution after this one and another until we've actually got some kind of fairness in this place, right? We're not going to stop fighting just because... I do not care. We kicked you out of Atrium once. If you join now, you do not need to fight. You have seen the assault on Tails End. On your barricades, you know that they will fall. Take my offer, and the forces that I have within these halls will march down and relieve that siege. The revolution will not have to fight. The revolution will have won. 
and like Virtue Nimshif is full on protesting here, throwing his hands in the air. I think there's a moment where he gets close to Karnim Daker and Karnim Daker just like pushes him down to the floor. What's the catch? You have seen how the Winter's Lodge and the Gaul grows. I need it destroyed. Or the entire purpose of this institution and of this city will be unraveled. You do not have to do it yourself as long as you convince Oaken. What makes you think I can convince Oaken of something if you couldn't? I mean, I'll, I can try. If it, if it helps everyone down there, yeah, I'll do it. You are ready to commit your life to the tenders of the Dawn's Embers? Yeah, sure, whatever. Fine. You are ready to shepherd the world and lead it from decay? Yeah, sure. You are ready to stand independent. Look, I'm bleeding here. I'm in quite a lot of pain. Is there a like fast way we could do this? I said yes. Let's do it. You are ready to strike down. Yes. And destroy the Winter's Lodge. Despite the betrayal it means to your friends. I... I don't think anyone really knows what it is or what it's for anyway. So, if it stops these... Yeah. Yeah, I am. Follow. And I think this time, instead of, like, walking through the garden or the yield, like, Karnim Daker just, like, does the thing that we've seen Ash do a lot of times and just falls backwards into the cut. Yeah, just steps, steps through after him. And I think... Virtue Nimshif is going livid in this room. Like, <laughs> we had a deal. I love the idea that Galena's just left there to deal with him. Yeah. They deserve each other. The root wards who are like the people with like the cloak is just trying to like shepherd him out. We will ruin you. We we will destroy you. We will bring this entire place down. And like just some of like the, the generic like Dawn's own soldiers coming in to kind of like lead Galena and Virtue Nimshif out as we kind of are left with a silent and empty yield. <laughs>